Again, I'll be reading from John 17, picking up where we left off in this incredible prayer, the Lord's Lord's Prayer. I'll begin in verse 14. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. This is the prayer of the Lord. I really have been changed by John 17. As a pastor, one of the great privileges is knowing I'm being prayed for. Already today, I don't know the number, but many of you have said, I've been praying for you. And almost every time someone says that to me, I say back, genuinely, don't stop. Because I believe in the power of prayer. As Christians, we say, I'm praying for you often. We tell that to our children, our grandchildren, our spouses, other Christians. I'm praying for you. I want to ask you this question. When someone says, I'm praying for you, what does that mean to your life? Not what should it mean, but in that moment when you hear someone, another Christian say, I'm praying for you, what does it mean to your life? The impact of that statement, I'm praying for you, the impact of that statement on your life depends on two things. It depends on your understanding of the need you have for prayer. And secondly, the impact of that statement on your life depends on your understanding of the power of prayer. When you listen to what I'm about to say in just a few minutes about the power of prayer, like me, you will conclude that when we fail to pray, we're fools. When we fail to really go before the Lord with this means of grace that he's given us and pray boldly, we're fools. 
Because this is what prayer is. Listen. Prayer, simply put, is talking with God. When Jesus taught the disciples in Luke 11 to pray, when they actually prayed to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray, that's a prayer. Jesus said, when you pray, say this. Our Father, who art in heaven. And in John 17, Jesus literally modeling that prayer, it says that he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son. Prayer is talking with God. Prayer is communication with God. Prayer is so much more than just that statement, but that's simply put what prayer is. When we pray, we speak words to God, words that he has given us with the access that he has given us through the person of Jesus Christ, the one who's the way, the truth, and the life. When we pray, we're speaking to the Father. And the Father, in his holy word, tells us to call him Abba, Daddy. It is as if a child is going safely into the arms of his perfect heavenly Father. There's no other perfect Father. No matter how good you are, there's no other perfect Father. And here is the perfect Father calling us to speak with him and to listen. To listen as the Holy Spirit prompts us, convicts us, comforts us, conforms us to the image of Jesus. That's what's happening in prayer. And prayer can happen at any time. In the watches of the night, in the early morning, while you're driving, before you go to sleep, praying, even right now. When we pray, we're adoring God. We're confessing to God. We're giving God praise and thanksgiving. And we're bringing our petitions to God. When we're praying to God, we're in communion with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Literally, God is in this place because God is inside you. Let your mind just meditate on that for a moment. The God of the universe, Christian inside you. Prayer is communicating with God in communion with God. Submitting to God. Being conformed to the image of His Son. Why is prayer powerful? Why should it matter when someone says, I'm praying for you? Because first of all, prayer is something He gave us. It is a means of grace, just like the Word, just like the sacraments. I believe even just like the fellowship of saints together encouraging one another in the name of Jesus. God has given us this means of grace. He calls us to pray. Jesus modeled prayer. Prayer is powerful because it changes us. It changes us. When we're overwhelmed and anxious, there's a peace that can come through prayer. When we don't know what to do, wisdom comes. Prayer draws us near to God as God is drawn near to us. Prayer is powerful because we're praying to him. 
Do you know him? Do you know what he says about himself? He's omnipotent, all-powerful. He's omnipresent everywhere. He is omniscient. Do you know when you pray to the Lord and you're praying because you're afraid or you're anxious or you're confused or you lack clarity, do you know that you're praying to the only one who knows absolutely what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, and how it's going to happen, and if it's going to happen? Do you realize that? You can talk to your friends. You can talk to your spouse. You can talk to a pastor. And not one of them can say emphatically, I know exactly what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, if it's going to happen. Can't do it. But the God of the universe, who created everything, who is sustaining it right now, knows everything. There is absolutely nothing God can learn. Moms, some of you are about to send your little ones off to school for the first time. And you won't be able to watch everything they do. You may try. You may have set up monitors in their classroom when you went to the first day of school to meet the teacher. You can't do it. You are not omnipresent. And if you try to be, your child will have severe issues later in life. (laughs) You are not omnipresent. But the God that you trust in is... He's no less present with them there in room 104 as he is in your living room or in their bedroom as he was when they were in the crib. That's the God we're praying to. And it's powerful. So when someone says, I'm praying for you, they've been in communion, in communication with the God that I've been describing. And when we don't pray, we're fools. Do you see that? It's amazing. The impact of that statement, I'm praying for you, won't make much of a difference if we don't make much of the power of prayer. Prayer is awesome because he's awesome. Prayer is awesome because he gave it to us. But my friends, you can know much about the power of prayer and still not be much impacted by someone telling you they're praying Because you don't really know your need or admit your need for prayer. Occasionally, this happens to me. I'll be in a Bible study, perhaps a men's group. And especially if it's a new group, whoever's leading the group might say, hey, let's hear a prayer request. And we'll go around the circle. And every once in a while, someone will actually say, I'm good. I'm good. Now, I want you to know if I'm in that group and I hear that, In my mind, I'm saying, man, that gentleman needs a lot of prayer. (laughs) What are you hiding from? What are you afraid to admit? You don't really understand the broken world that we live in. We're only good in Jesus. And one day, that ultimate goodness will be realized, but not until he calls you home or he comes here. And we all bow. Do you know your need? Let me ask a few questions. Is there anything hurting you right now? A broken bone? Or a broken heart? Is there anything right now 
at 10.20 a.m. this Sunday morning that you're afraid of? Any person? Something at work? Anything regarding your children? Is there a relationship right now that you are in that's leaving you hurt and confused? Are you struggling with an attitude or a bad habit, a judgmental spirit, or an addiction that you just can't stop? Do you feel overwhelmed by a situation that is far beyond your control? Do you feel exhausted at the end of summer instead of refreshed? Does the empty nest feel really empty? Do you wonder right now how much more treatment your body can endure? Does it seem like things are always harder than they should be? Are you wondering right now how much longer will you have to endure the trial you're in? Every one of us, in one way or another, relate to those questions. Because this side of heaven, we're in a broken world. And in this broken world, we hit walls, real walls of real pain. And when we're in the midst of one of those, and someone says, I'm praying for you, it actually seems to mean more. I need it. I really need it right now. And so the Lord speaks to us about prayer. I wonder if you could go back in history and listen to any one person pray, who would it be? Just think about that for a minute. Who would it be? Augusta? Bonhoeffer? Paul? Calvin? A grandparent? Why would it be that person? I asked our elders that question Friday night at our elders' retreat. Answers started flying, and very quickly, someone gave the Sunday school answer. Let me tell you something. The Sunday school answer is Jesus, and it's almost always the right answer. If you could go back in time and listen to anyone pray... Would it not be Jesus? But do you understand where I'm going right now? You just did. You just listened to the prayer that Jesus prayed for you over 2,000 years ago. He said it in verse 20. I ask, Father, for these, not for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Their word being proclaimed. His word through them proclaimed. And you, at some point, if you're in Christ, believed. And so you are a product of this prayer. Jesus has prayed for you. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to invite you 
this week, starting today, every day, to listen to this prayer again. Here's the investment. If you read at a moderate pace, it's less than three minutes. Less than three minutes, Jesus prayed the most remarkable prayer. And it was a prayer that was offered for you. Now, in this prayer, Jesus teaches us so much. I can't unpack it all this morning. We're coming to the end of our study of the Gospel of John, actually. We're going to be moving into a new study on the book of James. But I'll tell you right now, there is a sermon series burning in my heart on this one chapter. In this chapter, in this prayer, Jesus offers six petitions. I am not going to unpack each of those this morning, but I do want to tell you where they are. And over the next seven days, I hope you'll open your Bible and you'll read this prayer and you'll hear this prayer. You'll even pray this prayer. And you'll see these petitions. Let me name them for you. Open your Bible if you don't have it in front of you. Or follow along in the bulletin. The first thing Jesus prays for is in verse 1. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. The first thing Jesus prays for is his glory. Do you see the connection to the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That word hallowed means make your name praised, make your name great, bring glory to your name. And that's what Jesus is seeking here. The glory of God, and he is God. It's appropriate for him to ask for the Father to glorify him. That petition, glorify your son, is in verse 1, and it's also in verse 5. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Is your time in the Word a little stale right now? Then just meditate on verse 5 for a week. What did the glory of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit look like before all creation? It's mind-boggling. The second petition comes in verse 11. Jesus says, he prays, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. The second petition, Father, keep them in your name. You're going to see a theme of protection for his people. But there was also the third petition, if you were listening carefully, at the end of verse 11. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Jesus is praying for the disciples to be unified. But it's not just a unity, like we tend to think of agreement. It is a oneness that exists in fellowship with one another, but even more profound in the fellowship of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus continues this petition in verse 21, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So Jesus is praying for his glory. He's praying that the disciples will be kept in his name. He's praying that they may be one. And then he prays in verse 15. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. 
The fifth petition is in verse 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. He's sanctifying us, brothers and sisters. And then the sixth petition is found in verse 24 where Jesus prays, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. Those are the six petitions, each one worthy of a sermon. But I want to close by focusing on just one. Not because it's more important than the others, but because right now, I know it's one you feel. Jesus said, Father, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Jesus knows how bad the world is. And when the world's worst comes at us, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and we hit those walls and we face those struggles of what it means to be this side of heaven, whether it's through disease, through death, through depression, through dark times, through the the evil temptations of the enemy, we feel the reality of the world. And in those really dark moments, our prayers often are very, very powerful. They're very direct. We feel the brokenness. This prayer that Jesus is praying comes just as he says, the hour has come. Jesus is in this very dark place where he is going to be betrayed. He will then be denied by those who he's praying for here. He will then go through a mock trial. He will be beaten He will carry a cross as far as he can and drop and have it carried by another to a place called Golgotha. And there in Golgotha, he will be crucified. And there on that cross, he will cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He will also cry out just before he dies, it is finished. Before he went down that last dark road to that place, This is the prayer he prayed. And he prayed, Father, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Were the disciples kept from the evil one? Was this prayer effectual? These 11 disciples denied Jesus. But they were kept ultimately from the evil one. You, as Brent really eloquently set up our prayer of confession, will experience sickness because of the evil one. But you, ultimately Christian, will be kept from the evil one. He cannot ultimately have you if you are in Jesus Christ. You are his Jesus is God. This is a perfect prayer. Jesus is praying that we would be kept from the evil one. And what that means for Christians, what that means for those in Christ, 
is that no matter what the evil one throws at you, no matter what the world is bringing that's burdening your heart right now, my dear brother and sister in Christ, you are going to make it. You're going to make it. Because Jesus died. Because Jesus lives. Because Jesus prays. And my friend, when you face what you think is insurmountable, he knows. He knows. And he is not praying to the Father that he would take you out of this world or even out of that pain. But he's praying that you would know that you are kept safe in the Father's hands. So what? Your understanding of your need for Jesus and his prayers and your understanding of the power of the prayers that he himself prayed, that determines the impact of this on your life. Christian, you need Jesus. And Christian, you have him. You're going to make it. If this is new to you, and today you're in this place saying, I'm not sure if I'm a Christian or not. Wow, what an amazing place to be. Because let me tell you one final thing. And again, I'm saying this to those who do not yet believe in Jesus. I cannot think of another religion where we are taught that thousands of years ago God himself prayed for the future people. And I can't think of another religion where the word of God, this holy book, teaches us that Jesus now lives to intercede on our behalf. I pray you come to know him If you want to know more, there are people all around you that know him. Grab one of them right now and ask them, how can I know him more? If you don't want to talk to them, come and talk to me. I would love to talk to you because you can know him. You can know him today. Christian, Jesus has prayed for you. Jesus is praying for you. Father in heaven, You've given us this word in our hearts. Well, Lord, we swell with joy because it's true. It's mind-boggling to think, Jesus, that you would speak these words to your Father on our behalf 2,000-some years ago. And amazing still that you're praying right now. Jesus, hear our prayers. Give us the courage that we should live in as we come to you. Jesus, help us to believe what we sang just a little bit ago. And though I walk the darkest path, I will not fear the evil one. For you are with me 
and your rod and staff are the comfort I need to know. And I will trust in you alone, and I will trust in you alone, for your endless mercy follows me. Your goodness will lead me home. We pray all this, Jesus, in your name. Amen.